Go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now. Runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome back to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone who loves any kind of aviation. My name is Hal Bryan. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the senior editor for print and digital content and publications here at EAA. On my left. I'm Chris Henry, also one of the hosts here with Hal, and I'm the EAA Museum Programs Coordinator. And across the table, playing uh, half guest, half host today, Tom Sharpentier, Government Relations Director. Excellent. And joining us uh, through the magic of the internet, uh, who do we have? Well, it's our pleasure to welcome back uh, our president and CEO, Jack Pelton. We are so fired. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way right up front. <laughs> Jack, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be back with the uh, Green Dot team, and I uh, have been following your, your viewership and or, or listening ship, whatever the right term is for that, and uh, you guys continue to have uh, strong, strong programs and a lot of good support, so congratulations with the job you're doing on Green Dot. Well, we really appreciate that, and and congratulations to you for your triumphant third appearance. Uh, as of right now, you are only or you're the only uh, three timer on the Green Dot. That's, uh, well, let's see if we can keep that going. <laughs> well, I I know it's uh, after today. There's only two more until the uh, the coveted five timer Blazer. That's it. Yeah, and, we, and uh, you know, if I happen to achieve that, we will be hosting five timer uh, award parties at some point in time <laughs> exactly. well, with appropriate gift bags and and a whole lot of who are you yeah. wearing <laughs> yes excellent yeah. all right so so jack uh we've got you on today to talk about uh atc and privatization so can you tell me what happened last week and where we stand now yeah, I'd like to I actually kind of go back even beyond last week because this has been an effort that's been uh brewing actually since the 80s when there was talk of user fees and, and of, of most recent back in 2015 when uh, the concept of privatizing ATC, which would be removing it from the FA and from the control and purview of Congress and putting it into a, uh, a private organization with a lot of confusion as to how it would be run and funded. And it actually developed a lot of momentum and speed. And uh, last year, thanks to the efforts of all of the EA members, we were able to hold off any bill getting to the floor and being voted on. But uh, of recent, it had regained momentum. And we were told that in March, we were going to expect to see the FA reauthorization bill uh, put on the House floor for a vote. And it continued to have privatization in it. And kind of out of nowhere, there was a very, very subtle uh, chairman of the uh, T&I, the Transportation in uh, Infrastructure Committee, uh, Representative Schuster, uh, made a public comment that he was going to pull privatization out of the bill. It, in doing so, it was a clear signal to us that the GA uh, caucus of all of the associations, all of our members, all of the letter writing, phone calls, uh, campaigning, really showed the chairman of uh, the committee that he did not have enough of votes to get a reauthorization bill passed with privatization in it. So that was the the uh, welcome news that we received of last week. Yeah, and Jack, I um, I remember uh, last week, uh, earlier in the week, we were uh, in the process of warming up the machinery for another appeal to members, uh, thinking that that a uh, the, there was going to be one more big push this year on the privatization bill. And then I think it was Tuesday night, I was at home and uh, you posted the news to Facebook. That's where I heard about it. And it, it kind of, uh, it spread very quickly from there. Um, but it was uh, definitely a, a very welcome surprise last week. 
Yeah, we were, Tom, I, I know you and I were both uh, keeping our ear to the ground in Washington through, through Doug McNair, our Washington rep, um, hearing going into March that Schuster was pretty confident saying, I'm going to get this bill to the to the floor and get it passed uh, before the, the August recess. And, and uh, the only thing, we, we've never heard the, the inside story, but it must have been a, a whip count to see if he had the votes and he elected to go ahead and, and pull the privatization piece. So uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, the one thing that uh, gives me great confidence in our, our system here in the United States is that, that on an item like this, members' voices were heard. I mean, we had what, how many uh, notes were written, Tom, by our members? Uh, on our system, that's the Rally Congress website, we had a little bit over 27,600 individual messages sent. Um, and that doesn't include uh, phone calls that we didn't, you know, that obviously we don't have the statistics on that, individual phone calls from members, and uh, the ATC not-for-sale um, uh, industry-wide effort. And so I, I firmly believe, we, you know, EA was a very loud voice in, in rallying everybody against this proposal. And by having our members respond, we actually uh, made made the difference and, and prevented the vote from occurring. And, you know, we also have to thank, of course, the members of Congress who supported our position and the other associations and various aviation groups that uh, also was a very united front on on fighting this. And I think how we'd be remiss in not saying uh, something about why, again, are we, were we opposed to it? Because uh, while we're taking a, a victory lap, we, we were very, very adamant and very solid in our position that it was a, it was a badge piece of legislation uh, in that it took Congress out of our national asset, which is the the uh, the NASA, the National Airspace System. Uh, we as as citizens would not have a place to go to uh, to have our voice heard if that were to happen uh, on anything that would occur in the NAS. The structure that they had proposed was really not uh, really a, was not a good market-based economic uh, type of structure. It was basically handing the the assets that we all own as citizens over to a privatized group that was controlled primarily by the stakeholders of commercial uh, aircraft operation, whether it be the airlines, whether it be the labor unions, whether it be the um, various people that have you know revenue-based interests. And we as general aviation pilots would not would not have uh, a, a strong enough voice to be able to to be heard at that at that uh, new organization that they were proposing absolutely and it it uh, it makes me proud as it always does to be uh, to be a part of the uh, the group that uh, that does all this flying stuff because we love to and uh, as opposed to you know commercial venture obviously we have commercial pilots among our membership and things but uh, but really, at the end of the day, we're the fun ones. Absolutely, <laughs> we are, and, and you know, and we have so many examples uh, around the world of of where these kinds of concepts have been implemented, and general aviation has either been squeezed out of the system, or the financial uh, cost of participating in the system was so high that it's punitive, and, and general aviation, as we know it here in this country, ends, ended up ended up shrinking considerably. A lot of people were arguing that, you know, come on, GA, you guys aren't going to be hurt. It's going to be okay. Um, and and while I appreciate their position on this, uh, we clearly saw it differently. We had enough data and facts that showed that uh, that their their position wasn't the case, that we wouldn't be hurt. Uh, and we made our voices heard, and, and it made a difference. 
I don't want to say it's a rare opportunity because uh, you know we celebrate uh, we celebrate our victories around here a lot, but it is it is nice, isn't it? Just for even just for a moment to sort of take a breath, sit back, and say, you know, thanks everybody uh, working together. We did it. It really is, and I hope you know. I think the time will will get to say that again, just so that our our members don't feel like we're we're continuing to take multiple victory lapses. I think I want to make sure people understand also the process that we have going forward with this. Um, while Chairman Schuster has said he is removing privatization, the, the the idea of privatization and the concept and the implementation of it out of the FA reauthorization bill, that bill still does need to go to the House to be voted on um, without it in there. So we'll have to see that that and make sure that that has, does in fact happen, which he's, he's not going to you know, turn around and do a 180 on us. The Senate has also their FA reauthorization bill, which already does not have privatization in it. That needs to pass. And then the two go into conference and the final uh, language will be signed by the president. So I think uh, we'll have a couple a couple incremental milestones along the, the way, the House bill, the Senate bill, and then finally when the president signs the FA reauthorization bill, uh, we can celebrate for, for one last time for at least what we are hoping and hearing is it'll be a four-year bill. And then uh, it'll give it. It'll give us time out on that particular topic that we've been working on for so many years for four years. But there's a lot more work to do on a lot of other issues. Yeah, and if history is any indicator, this isn't the uh, this isn't the last time we'll be fighting this issue either privatization or user fees or other similar proposals in the coming decades. But uh, we can at least celebrate for now that we've uh, we've pushed back this uh, proposal that really, if I remember correctly, started either 2016, maybe even late 2015, uh, was uh, was when this was uh, when this first hit the floor. Yeah, in 2014, I was at a air show in Tarkio, Missouri. I believe it was 14 that that uh, Congressman Schuster had a a public listening group to the aviation uh, associations that I participated in, where he he teed this item up way back then and and said uh, we're really looking at this privatization. Uh, we really want to do this. You know, what do you what do you in general aviation think? of which he met a very cold and chilly audience that was not interested in all in his concept. But I also got a note from a, uh, an engineer that I worked with at Douglas Aircraft years ago who said, um, and she was involved in Douglas's regulatory activities, and she said, you know, this is, was a topic that in 1986 they had been working on as far as user fees and privatization, all those kinds of things. So it's, it's been around a long time. It certainly has, and and of course, as you've mentioned, we've uh, we've seen this same sort of movement in other countries around the world, and and in many cases, we've seen that uh, to have some some pretty negative effects. Uh, so I have a, a question, really, I'd like to pose to both you and uh, and Tom, and that is, um, you know, certainly the members of Congress uh, that were on the opposite side uh, during this uh, this whole uh, this whole battle. Um, are they our sworn enemies for life now? And uh, and you know, should I, be th- should I be throwing darts at them, or at least leaving them off the Christmas list? Or where do we stand there? And either one of you can go first. Well, I, I've always uh, taken a position that, and, and it's it's probably goes back to some of the uh, political influences I've had in my life, where you have real statesmen that that have the ability to work both sides of the aisle and get things done, and. And there's a give and take and a win and lose. I, I think in this issue, um, a lot of people that were in favor were doing it strictly on a party line. And that, that was driving their decision. They weren't close enough to the details to really understand. 
um, you, you know, one, you have to commend them for sticking to their, their, their principles on whatever that may be, but you hope that enough facts and data can help sway them to your side where they weren't, they're not going to be enemies. I mean, that's at some point they're going to be on your side of a, of an issue down the road. Um, what, what do they say? I think the difference in having grown up in, in the, uh, the business world myself, I think in the political world, it may be, you know, it's, it's just politics <laughs> at the end of the day. It's, it's, uh, I know Tom, give me, you've been, you've been certainly deeply, uh, involved in, in various, uh, elected officials offices. So how do you, how do you perceive it? Yeah, I spent a few years on the other side, uh, you know, working in, uh, in various, uh, mostly state level offices and, um, the, the thing I always like to say, and I know we're in a very polarized political situation today, but I still like to try to keep this idealism, is that nobody nobody in politics wakes up in the morning and says, how am I going to screw up America today? You know, they they really do work in what they feel are in the best interests of their constituents and in the best interests of the country. Um, and I think we have to recognize that and, and just, you know, know that, um, you know, your friend, your enemy on, on one bill may be your friend on another. Um, and, um, and also, you know, being in DC, you know, quite often, and Jack, I know you've done this too, is, um, some of our members might actually be surprised how friendly some politicians are with one another um, or in, and especially their staffs when um, you know, when the lights get turned off and uh, and you know, they're, they're, um, they're out of the office. Yeah, they are. And I think uh, the other comment I want to make, Hal is, is I think as this, especially the hard work over the last two years, which, or at least year and a half of, of the real intense d- debate and fight on, on all of this, um, it showed me that we still have a lot to do as far as advocating and educating uh, for general aviation. I mean, it, it just makes me want to have, can I get all of Congress to air venture to see what really GA is all about, uh, the importance of it to our nation, the importance of it to our economy, um, the fact that, that this is a freedom that we are very, very fortunate to have here in this country. And, it, it you know, so you get done with the, the battle, it's over. There's, there's a winners and losers in it, but we still, it, it, you know, it, it kind of makes me worry is this was really, really hard. And it was really hard because a lot of elected officials, even in our own backyard, um, just were not tuned in with the, the very specific uh, issues associated with general aviation and the impact that they can have. Jack, I'm going to uh, uh, wander a little bit further afield for just a second. And this is just something that popped into my head. And uh, and that is, as you're talking about uh, how lucky we are to be able to fly, I when you stop and think about it, do you consider flying a right or a privilege? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, Tom, I'll, I'll, I'll volley it to you first. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> um, got, that gets into some, some very deep, um, you know, political concepts, really. I mean, a, a fundamental... Well, we're not the shallow dot around here, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, I think I think I think Cal just went Sunday morning on us as far as <laughs> the, uh, his, his approach to the talk show because this I know where you're going, Tom. This is a deep philosophical issue. Yeah, I think it's um, it's something that you know, based on the individual um, rights, privileges, and freedoms we have in the country, you know, under the Constitution, we fundamentally have. Um, we all seem to agree that it should, to a certain extent, be regulated. Otherwise, we wouldn't have an FAA. Um, and you know, with that regulation comes certain 
uh, privileges. So I'd say your pilot's license individually is a privilege. It's something that you work for. It's something that you have to obey certain rules to keep. Um, but the fundamental freedom to fly, uh, you know, and to do similar activities and to innovate and um, all of that, I, I think that does stem from something that, um, I don't know if it's uniquely American, but it's certainly something that is, uh, that is deeply part of who we are. And I, I would add that, uh, again, that kind of is those dividing lines how between where, you know, what is government's role versus what is our, um, you know, our, our freedoms and rights and how does government manage that balance of allowing us to have the freedoms that we have, but put uh, some playing rules around it that, that create a fair. And I think that's what we have with aviation is um, it, it is it is a right and the government is put the rules around that give us the privilege to exercise that right. And I think there's no clearer expression of that that I think, and I I don't. This is this will come off as kind of shameless self promotion, but I, I think EAA is really um, emblematic of that. I mean, basically, we have we've managed to create a regulatory structure where if you want to, if you can dream of it, you can build it. And there are certain things you have to obviously comply with to make sure that the uh, that your creation is is safe and airworthy, but. Um, there's really not too many restrictions drawn around that box. So the government's role is in helping to to ensure that the activity is is safe as far as not impacting the general citizens, and then to kind of putting the rules in the road as to how do we operate in that airspace, and that's all they should be involved in. Yeah, and and then you have you have obviously you know there's a there's a wide gulf between the um, the amateur builder, the ultra lighter, the light sport pilot. And the you know seven the triple seven full of people, um, and, uh, and and obviously the FAA and, and to their credit the FAA does operate on what they call a safety continuum, uh, and we've helped them kind of right size their regulations to fit into that um, uh, continuum over the years. I know this is getting really far away from ATC privatization. I, I guess what I would do just to bring this back is. Um, some of the stuff that we're talking about here is is uh, is really kind of what's next, uh, as far as what we what we really want to fight for moving ahead. I know Jack, you've talked a lot about um, what uh, um, what we'd like to see as far as aircraft certification and um, and and kind of reforms there moving forward. Um, and uh, I hope we can definitely tackle a lot of that in the future. Yeah, I think where, where the, this does segue nicely is that, uh, you know, EAA is going to continue to be at the forefront of protecting our freedom uh, to fly by by making sure that the regulatory environment doesn't become too burdensome or too uh, unreasonable. So if you look way, and I think Tom said it nicely, if you look way back to our our founder's vision of, of saying, I want to I want to invent something to, in my basement or garage to go fly, um I, I need to be able to to do that. Give me give me give me the regulatory boundaries that I have to perform within, and, and obviously the experimental amateur built products and, and movement um, really typifies that that ability to to take advantage of that freedom. So as we go forward, you know, typically you know government regulatory environments become more and more constraining, and our role and goal is to continue to help relax that so that we can we can still innovate and create and and take advantage of some of the the uh, opportunities that we have to to be able to 
fly inexpensively, fly without a lot of constraints and, and still do it safely and ensure that the public safety is not at risk, which, you know, leads to probably one of the big, which, which we're doing. We've done a lot of work in the last uh, year with the, uh, the electric attitude indicator, uh, STC, the autopilot STCs, which really was, you know, great, great, uh, activity by Tom and, and the team at EA to change the, change the regulatory environment of the certified world. Uh, to open up the, these opportunities. And I think we, we're going to have some big challenges going forward with the integration of drones and UASs into the, the NAS and how how are we all going to play together. Uh, that will be certainly one that uh, is going to take a lot of time and effort to figure out, you know, again, how do we prevent it from being overly burdensome with reg, regulatory rules that will not, will, we will ensure won't impact our ability to jump in a home builder a J3 Cub on a Sunday afternoon and fly up to Iowa to go eat. You're here. And uh, I, I know uh, uh, Tom very deftly sort of steered us back on on track, but I appreciate uh, both you and Tom uh, very articulately answering my uh, my philosophical question. And and I, I do think that uh, I, I do take those points you made very, very seriously. And I, I think deep down all of our members, uh, members would as well. Um, you know, I actually, uh, in keeping with the theme today of, uh, of, of uh, messing around with the format of it, I have a question for Chris. Uh, so, uh, Chris, we haven't heard a lot from you on this episode uh, yet because, you know, Tom, he just goes on and on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Um, but uh, you, you're the only one here who's ever worked as a controller. Yeah. And I just wonder if in, in an alternate <clears throat> universe uh, and, and a very sad uh, – uh, evil mirror alternate universe where you do not work here. Uh, you're still working as a controller. Can you put yourself in that position for a minute and and give me some idea, at least as you personally, not speaking for every controller, but uh, how you would be feeling about the uh, the privatization question at this point? Well, you know, the, the thing that I kept reflecting on is, um, personally, uh, I enjoyed all the different mixes of aircraft coming in together. And... You know, to have something where, a, a, you know, it, it was controlled by groups that didn't have just the freedom uh, of allowing everybody to fly at heart, uh, that's the thing that really bothered me. I mean, that was something that, as an air traffic controller, I actually got told to go out and do, was I would actually visit other airports um, and work with, here's how to get people interested in coming out to fly and being part of your airport. So it almost, to me, felt like reverse messaging of, you know, I was always trying to tell people that the airport isn't just a fenced-off piece of land that you're not welcome on. And to me, this all felt like, no, that is a fenced-off piece of land that you're not welcome on. And that, that to me, is that's per, my personal take on it, was it was almost going back on on just everything that I sort of stood for. So um, that my personal reflection is that I, as far as how it would all work, I've, I have no clue, but I think it would be a, a mess, to be honest. And I don't, you know... There, we can go into this all day, but uh, I think the fact that uh, you'd be, you know, let's let's face it, people would be getting special treatment out of the airspace. Isn't that's not what that's for? Yeah, I'd imagine it'd be a little bit stressful if it's like, uh, whoop, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
Cessna one seventy two. Uh, you know, break off your approach. We've got a uh, you know we've, we've a got paying a paying customer. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a, somebody yeah, somebody so, bought the premium yeah. plan and they're I, gonna, they're going to get it first. I was looking forward to having sponsored uh, Adis though. I was looking yes. forward to seeing how that was going to work out. So. Well, there's that great MP three or even or YouTube video or something going around with the with somebody calling and trying to get a weather briefing yeah. and file a flight yeah. plan and it's. And it's, you know, welcome to the, you know, automated yeah. flight service station yeah. brought to you by Amazon, Staples, and yeah. Piggly Wiggly. Information <laughs> Golf is current, which stands for Gatorade, which yes. you can buy for 99 cents. It's a little, uh, you know. Just <laughs> keep those electrolytes up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think also in the argument, though, I think the uh, one of the, some of the facts that we do need to make sure we also cover is that, you know, there was a strong, strong push uh, implying that the system was broken. Right. And, you know, my point had always been, no, I think we we're you know creating a, uh, a fix for a problem that we're not sure how to define. And the real the real problem and concern everyone has around ATC, um, and even even the controllers do, is that we have not had a reauthorization bill with stable funding for how long now? Since 2006, I think there's been over 25 continuing resolutions, which essentially says um, I don't know what your budget should be. I'm just going to keep re renewing on an annual basis, your current budget. And the problem with that has been, and if the administrator was, was uh, you know, pretty articulate about this when he was at Air Venture is that it's like building a home and you go out to the general contractor and you say, here's the plans, here's what I want to put in place. And I'm referring to the analogy around modernizing our air traffic control system, getting the right systems in place, getting things re repaired and fixed and, and modernized and all that. And that general contract, you lay out and you say, here's what I want. It's going to take you know, a couple of years to build it, but here's what the end product looks like. But, oh, by the way, I'm only going to pay you annually, um, and I can't even tell you if I'll be able to renew after the first year. So here's your first tranche of money, and here's the first little bit of work, and you know, we'll start discussing 12 months from now if we're going to continue on. And it, it just creates a huge lag, a huge delay. It doesn't allow you to get technology put in quickly. It doesn't allow you to, to stay on top of things. And that was why we were arguing the privatization piece doesn't solve for that. Um, let's get to the real root cause of what the issue is. And that's uh, long-term funding through Congress appropriating uh, to the FAA. And that's what, we, that's what this ultimate victory has, has occurred is we will now have that for the next four years. Well, and something else that you touched on too, Jack, was, you know, you were saying that that was implying that the system was broken. And I mean, just look at uh, examples like Van Nuys Airport, which, I mean, they handle more GA traffic than anybody out there. And there's nothing broken there. I mean, maybe modernizing things, sure, but there isn't a problem in the system. It was it was almost, it seemed like a fix for a non-issue. Well, yeah, and the, and the data, good point, Chris, and the, because what you're referring to is the data and statistics, let's take emotion uh, what side of the aisle you're on, where you live, whether you like airport or any of that, this data and statistics show that we have the safest, most efficient air traffic control system in the entire world. And so, you know, that, that in a, you know, I wish we would argue around facts and data instead of emotional <laughs> politics. So, Jack, what do you think is next for reauthorization? Well, when you say what's next for reauthorization, I think, we'll, you know, we'll get privatization out of this bill and get it reauthorized for, for four more years is what Senator Thune is pushing very hard in the Senate. So that gives us a, a stabilized, a, you know, stabilized budget um, over the next four years to continue with the existing modernization plan, which I think between now and 2020, the biggest uh, issue we're going to have is the implementation of ADSB. 
there's a mandate that it's required by 2020. Um, the GA uh, fleet is certainly, an ex and, and much more so even the EAB fleet, is, is equipping at a greater rate than what the airlines are. Um, so we, I think that's going to be the kind of the emphasis and focus. And then I think there's probably going to be some heavy, in, heavy infrastructure um, activities and spending on our facilities themselves. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, FA facilities that just need good capital infusion to, to you know, make them safe. And, and I, I, you know, I don't want to just keep throwing around the term modernize because there's a roadmap for that already. But, um, you know, just basic infrastructure repair that needs, needs to occur. Uh, those are those are probably the big issues between now and 2020. Yeah, and I just want to also emphasize the point, and, and you alluded to it before, that um, what we're looking at, what, when we talk about FAA reauthorization, when we talk about passing a spending bill, what we don't necessarily support is, you know, throwing bushels of money at a problem until it goes away. We support stabilized funding that follows a clear plan um, that, uh, you know, that, that will ultimately be much more efficient in the end. Uh, Jack, when was the last time a, uh, a, an FAA bill was passed? Was that 2011? I believe it was 2011. Um, I, I, but Tom, we've had what 26 continuing resolutions for keeping keeping the FA open. We've been operating, yeah, yeah like uh, four months to four month increments. Uh, yeah, pr pretty much ever since that funding bill ran out. And and some of the the unintended consequences of that, along with sequestration, is um, as controllers retire, which they have a mandatory retirement age, like airline pilots. They haven't been able to backfill and put the classes in place to train train their and get their replacements and get get fully staffed. So um, these are the kinds of things that this reauthorization bill will help uh, minimize and be able to get back into a more normal business activity. So the last thing I would just say to uh, the members that are listening is that. Um there, there will, there, there is still legislative action to happen, as Jack has mentioned, and um, there may be some provisions that we um, we want to continue to to emphasize and fight for in the future. So, you, while privatization is uh, is uh, off the table as uh, as best as as we know, and and uh, and and obviously we'll make sure that that remains the case. Um, there may still be a call for call uh, call to action, excuse me, uh, from us in the coming months as uh, as the bill um, goes through. So just be watching for that and and know that it's uh, it's just as important as as the other um, uh, the the other calls to action that we've we've had in the past. Yeah, we have, and I think uh, you know while we we try not to uh, un, un you know irresponsibly get people excited over something that's not a problem. I mean, we're very careful as to knowing when to when to engage our membership but we do have a lot of items on the table some of them deal with uh, the regulatory environment relative to certification and, and new equipment there's gonna there's still the fight that we have on the fact that our air venture uh, tower uh, because of sequestration they turned around and started charging us only us and sun and fun for uh, manning and staffing the tower which is already paid for through the gas taxes that you spend when you when you fly into AirVenture. Um, we're going to continue to be fighting for that. Uh, there, there's just, I think, as the UAS integration, as people come up with uh, ideas that maybe aren't operationally mindful of, we'll have of how GA operates, we'll be continuing to be speaking loud about that. Uh, Tom, any other ones that you can think of that uh, we've been active in? I think you've covered pretty much all of it. Um, it's uh, yeah, there, there's there's a a lot of things that are uh, 
that that are on the table that we uh, that we definitely like to see in that bill. And we're going to we're going to continue to ask our members and chapters and everybody engaged out there to continue to educate the folks at your airport and in your communities about what GA does for America and uh, the benefits that it provides and the, and again the personal personal freedoms that we just got to keep that campaign going and I, and a big piece of it is we're getting becoming very proud and we'll have to provide data is general aviation is becoming much safer and we have data and statistics to prove that so you know when you have that person at the end of your block that's afraid an airplane's going to fall out of the sky and go through their roof we can we can educate them that that's you know highly unlikely and and uh, again create a positive positive energy around recreational flying yeah, that's right. I think a, uh, a, a general aviation aircraft falling out of the sky and hitting your living room is about as likely as you uh, being eaten by a shark while being struck by lightning or something like that. So. <laughs> hey, that's how I lost my uncle. Okay, <laughs> Tom, you know that hits close to home. Yeah, that's not true. Just to be clear. All right. Well, Jack, thank you uh, so much for uh, for taking the time to join us. Any any last uh, last words of uh, thanks for our members for uh, all that they've done yeah. to support us in this. Yeah, again, it's one of those I cannot thank you enough. It it uh, it clearly made a difference. And, and again, it's just pretty basic that when elected officials hear from their constituents uh, who are passionate and knowledgeable uh, in trying to educate that elected official on how to how to vote on an issue, it does make a huge difference. And uh, we showed it and proved it and could not have done this without everyone's uh, passionate support to make sure that the system did not get privatized. So Thank you, thank you, thank you, and we'll continue uh, to fight on your behalf and do it without any additional costs or charges to our members. Here, here. Well, and speaking of thank yous, uh, Jack, thanks uh, one more time for uh, for joining us. This is your third visit, as uh, as we've said, you're you're well on your way to the Five Timers Club. Uh, there's uh, there's only one other person who's uh, creeping up behind you. We don't need to mention his name because you don't want him to get any extra press, but. Uh, my money is on you getting there first. Well, I'll be anxiously in my office, Hal, waiting for you to come and bite me again. So. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Jack. Uh, thanks, as always, to our producer, Ty, who puts this all together and does, uh, does all the, uh, the things big and little to make, uh, make the green dot happen. And, uh, and suffers through all the uh, and us uh, in the editing room uh, once uh, all is said and done. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and big special thanks to everybody who takes the time to give us feedback, whether it's uh, on the posts on the uh, the blog when the episodes go up, or the uh, the wonderful reviews on uh, iTunes and other places around the web. Uh, last I checked, we still had uh, a perfect five star rating on iTunes, and. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, that kind of feedback, just as your, uh, as our listener member action has uh, helped us uh, enjoy a quick victory lap for ATC privatization. Uh, that feedback that we get on this podcast is the very reason why uh, we've chosen to uh, to stand behind it and keep producing episodes. So, thanks to everybody for everything. Keep listening and look for us again the next time when you're cleared to land on the green dot. <laughs>